morning and go to the book of Genesis, the 12th chapter, please. Genesis chapter number 12. We began uh, three Sundays ago a, a brand new series on the great chapters of the Bible. And uh, these are sort of at, since I'm preaching the series, are sort of at my discretion which chapters are chosen. And uh, I have several of them that are pre-planned. Uh, but of course, as we uh, walk through this great book that we hold in front of us, the Word of God, uh, there are just so many things that come at our uh, come at at us, and, and we're reminded of. And I uh, I felt like it would be fitting for us um, to to spend some time here in this twelfth chapter of the book of Genesis, because I truly do believe it is a great and really a foundational chapter in our Bible. Uh, because it is in this chapter in which we find uh, the birth of the nation of Israel. And of course, the nation of Israel will become a, a very, very prominent theme uh, throughout our Bible. Of course, you'll, if you know anything about the Bible, you'll find that the nation of Israel's history is contained and conveyed in our Old Testament. It's really like a, a history book of the nation of Israel. And uh, we find the beginnings of this particular nation uh, here in the 12th chapter of the book of Genesis. And so I'd like for you to look there with me if you would, and we'll begin reading in verse number one of Genesis chapter number 12, and we will read through verse number four. The Bible says now, the Lord had said unto Abram, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed, as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. You know, in all of the Bible, there's hardly a man as, as well-known and admired as this character that we're introduced to here in this 12th chapter of the book of Genesis. Abraham, who is at this point in time still called Abram, would be the father, as it were, of the Hebrew race. And through him and his seed, the Bible says that all families of the earth would be blessed. And I, I would just say that it would be very, very difficult to do a series on the great chapters of the Bible and exclude Abram and his call found in Genesis 12 from such a series. You know, as I was thinking about this particular man and, and his life, I, I, I came to understand that really little is known about the life of Abraham before God calls him at the age of 75. Now think about that for a moment. You know, we're reading this, and, and we might be thinking to ourselves, God, why are you, why are you calling a man at 75? Uh, isn't he just about done with his life? We would, we would think that, wouldn't we? Most of us, as we, as we age and we get older, some of you are in a position where you readily admit there is more, there is more behind you than there is in front of you, right? You understand that. We recognize, we acknowledge that, as the Bible says, it's a point in a man wants to die. All of us are going to die at some point. We, we, we recognize that. We understand that. And the older we get, many times we begin to settle into a, a mode as, as if, you know, well, I can't do that because of my age. And you know, it's amazing how we like to use our age as an excuse. Do you know, young people, they use their age as an excuse as well. I can't do that. I'm not old enough. 
You know, no one will, no one will listen to me. No one will hear what I have to say. And, uh, and, and you know, the, the older you get, you start to settle into that same routine. Well, I can't do that. I'm not old. I'm, I'm too old. <laughs> not that I'm not old enough. I'm too old. I don't have the energy. I don't have the strength for such a thing. God calls Abram at the age of 75 years old. And I thought to myself, you know, really, really this is the reality of life. And here, here it is. Here's, here's what it is. Man's life. Man's life is of little significance and little importance apart from God's call and his leading in that life and man's response to it. Here's what I mean by that. We really don't know much about Abram until he's 75 years old. And you know what? You know the truth of the matter is you don't really need to know much about Abram because his life at that point in time was, was really of little meaning and little significance Oh, he was going through the daily motions and it, and it would seem as if it would seem as if he was living a pretty good life. Uh, the Bible indicates that he had married a beautiful woman. Uh, the Bible indicates that he was a man of some of some means and some wealth. He had servants and and the like according to verse number 5 and he lived listen he lived in one of the great cities of this time period in world history when God called him. And yet listen, none of that even mattered until God came into his life and God called him to follow him. Can I just say that your life and my life, apart from God and his involvement in our lives and our response to his call, really doesn't matter a whole lot. There's not a whole lot of significance. There's not a whole lot of importance in anyone's life until God steps in. And my, how God stepped in to the life of Abram, 75 years of age in which God called him. And then I asked myself, well, why was it that God specifically called this man by the name of Abram? And the truth of the matter is we, we, really, we really don't know. We don't necessarily know why it was that God specifically called him. Uh, in some respects, that's, that's really just reserved for the Lord's sovereignty, that God calls whomsoever he will. Can I say that no man, no man, no woman deserves any of the blessings that he receives from the hand of God. And can I say that we do understand and acknowledge that some have been more blessed perhaps, some have been more blessed than others, but can I say that all are blessed by God and all are undeserving of God's blessings. If you, if you were able to get up this morning and you were able to get out of bed, prepare yourself, get in your vehicle and drive to church and walk in the doors of this place and sit down, it does not matter. It does not matter what trial you're dealing with in life. It does not matter what happened last week or what you think is going to happen this week. None of that matters. Listen, if you have health and strength to get here this morning, you are blessed by God. We sometimes lose sight of that. We sometimes complain about the silliest things, don't we? Why, why don't I have this? And, and why does that person have that? They, they don't deserve that. I deserve that more than they do. And yet, can I just tell you, all of us are undeserving of God's blessings, but all of us have been blessed by Almighty God. Perhaps God called Abram because he knew this call would not fall on deaf ears. Maybe, maybe that's a thought. Perhaps maybe there's some people that God, God says, I would call them. I would reach out to them, but I, I know that they'll ignore me and they'll reject me. Listen to what God said about Abraham in Genesis 18 and verse number 19. He says, for I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment. You know what God said about Abraham? God said about this man, I know him. And here's what I know. I know that whatever I give him to do, he will do it, and so will his family. Well, that's quite a high, high statement of praise. Maybe, maybe God called him to display his greatness in the life of a normal, ordinary man. I, I suppose maybe that's part of it, don't you think? 
I mean, Abraham's just living a pretty normal life in the city called Ur. Uh, he has no children. He's beyond the age and the stage in which we assume that children are going to come into the picture. And so maybe, maybe God called him for those reasons. I'm not looking for someone who's abundantly talented and who's abundantly gifted. I'm just looking for someone who will be faithful so that I can show off and I can display my might and my power in the life of an ordinary human being. And that's why God called him. We don't necessarily know. The Bible does not immediately come out and tell us these things. But can I say that, uh, that, that, that these are all things that were running through my mind as I was preparing and planning for this message on this Sunday morning. And yet we discover that when this call came in Genesis chapter number 12, that Abram was faithful to hear and to heed what God was calling him to do. And I want you to think that the work of God in this world, listen, the work of God in this world is a work that exists about men. When I say men, I'm talking about human beings. I'm not talking about specifically the male species. I'm talking about human beings in general. And what I'm saying is this, listen, the work of God is a work for and about men. God cares about you. God cares about your family. He cares about your neighbors and about your coworkers. That's what God's interested in. A few weeks ago, we looked in Genesis 1. We discovered there that, a, that God created, listen, God created everything for man's use, for man's dominion, and for man's enjoyment. That God created man in his own image and for the purpose of companionship. Here's the companionship God was looking for. God and man as companions enjoying fellowship with one another. This was the plan of God. This is why God did what he did. This book that you and I hold in our laps is filled with stories of men and how God worked in their lives. And again, when I say men, I mean men and women. This book is filled with stories of people, maybe we should say, and how God worked in their lives. The portions of this book that are, that are not narrative, in other words, they're didactic or they're, they're doctrine, they're teaching, uh, these portions of the book, they're for men too. They're not given to tell us about man's life and, and, and the stories of his life, but rather they're given to teach us how, to help man live this life more successfully and in a greater way and to prepare him for the life to come, which is the eternal life. I'm thinking to myself, the incarnation of Christ saw the Son of God become a man minister to men, be betrayed and slain by men, all for the purpose of saving men from their evil and wicked sins. And today, Christ uses his local church, churches just like this one, led by and filled with men and women to communicate his message to a world full of men who are lost and dying, so that it should not be all that surprising that we consider at one point and at one time, God, God spoke through the silence into the life of a man in Genesis chapter number 12. And God called this man for his specific purposes. God's work in the lives of men did not end with the completion of his word. You know, God wants to still do a complete and a thorough work in your life still today. I want us to discover some critical insight into God's work in the lives of men, including his own work in our lives, by considering this Key chapter introducing us to the faithful man who was called by God. His name was Abram, or as we better know him as Abraham. Let me share with you three specific things from our text here this morning. Let me say, number one, that men are born. Men are born for a God-ordained purpose. Men are born for a God-ordained 
ordained purpose. Now listen, you may never form, your life may never exist to form a new nation. But regardless of that, I want you to understand something. God still has a purpose for your life. You, you, may never, you may never hear God speak quite as clearly as Abram did here in Genesis chapter number 12. But don't, don't miss this and don't, don't lose sight of this. God still has an ordained purpose for your life as well as he did for Abraham's life as he does for mine. We discover several components to God's ordained purpose in the lives of men. Can I say number one, that God's ordained purpose includes where you live. Did you know that? God's ordained purpose includes where you live. Now notice this call. What did God say in verse number one? Now the Lord had said unto Abram, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. Now in recent days, Cleveland has come to be known as the land, right? Because the last part of it says land. And so maybe there's a, maybe there's a direct correlation that God is leading people to the city of Cleveland. I don't know, right? But I love where I live. I hope, I hope if you're not from around here, maybe you're visiting. We've had, I met some visitors this morning. They're here from other places. I hope you love where you live as well. You ought to. You're, you're stuck there. You might as well make the best out of it, right? And, uh, and, I, live, and I, I just want you to know something. I believe, I, believe, I believe that God's plan for your life includes where you live. Abram was living in Ur when God called him. And the specific tangible element of this call at this point in time, the, the, one, the one instruction that was given was this, leave Ur, get out of this place, and start following me. And what's interesting is that God did not specifically tell Abram where he was to go. He just told him what, what he was to leave behind. So Abram, Abram was tasked with this responsibility of leaving Ur and following God to a place that he would later identify. Now this part of God's call would be emphasized over and over and over again in scripture. It was significant. For instance, the Bible says in Genesis 15, God is speaking and says, and he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of Ur of the Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit it. In Nehemiah chapter number nine, they were rehearsing or recounting God's blessing on the nation of Israel. And, and, and once again, that is highlighted where the Bible says, thou art the Lord, the God, who didst choose Abram and broughtest him forth out of Ur of the Chaldees and gavest him the name of Abraham in Acts 7. Uh, Stephen is preaching a, a, a message uh, there to a, a group of people that, uh, that literally want to kill him. And listen to what he says about, uh, about God. He says, and he said, men, brethren, and fathers, hearken. The God of glory appeared unto our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia, before he dwelt in Sharan, and said unto him, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred, and come into the land which I shall show thee. Once again in Hebrews 11 and verse number 8, by faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing whither he went. So obviously this was significant. God's call in Abram's life was a call that said, you need to leave where you're living now and you need to follow me. And that call, listen, is repeated over and over and over again. Listen, from the beginning of our Bible to the end of our Bible, God emphasizes this, this call that he placed upon Abram's life, that he leave where he is living and that he follow him to a new place to live. You should know, you should know that God knows where you're living and God cares about where you're living as well. Now, I, I don't mean specifically your address, the, the street number that you live on. I, I don't mean that specifically, although, although God, God does know where you live. Did you know that? 
I may not know where you live. Some of you, you like it that way, that the pastor doesn't know where you live. You're gonna keep it that way as long as possible. He might show up at the worst possible time. I may not know where you live, but God knows where you live. He knows. But, but when, I say, when I say the plan of God includes for your life, his ordained purpose includes where you live, I'm not, I'm not speaking specifically about the physical address that you live at. No, I'm, I'm talking about something much greater than that. Here's what he knows. He, he knows and what he cares about is the condition your life is in. The work of God, listen, is about taking men where they are living currently and leading them to where he would have them to live. I'm not talking about your address. I'm saying, I'm saying that the work of God is always about elevating man in his status and in the standard of living. In, in holiness and in sanctification, drawing oneself closer to the Lord. And so what I would say, what I would say is this, God's work, listen, God's work in your life exists to take you from wherever you are now to the next level. And here's what I wanna ask, here's what I ask. How long has it been since you took another step in your level of Christian living? Because God's ordained purpose for your life includes that, and it matters to God. And it is amazing to me, I'm the same way as you are, that we, we as people, we can, we can so settle into our routines and into our sort of standards of living, and, and, and we, can, we can sort of almost build up walls in, in which we say to God, you can't touch this area. You, you, cannot, you cannot call me to leave this behind. I like this in my life, and I don't plan to move on from it. And I just want you to know something. If you're gonna find God's ordained purpose for your life, you must understand that God, listen, God's work in your life exists to move you from where you are now to where he wants you to be. And that may not be a geographic location, but it is a location nonetheless. And so for some of you, you're lost today. You're lost. You don't know Christ as your Savior. If, if you were, if you were to, to die today, God forbid, or if the trumpet were to sound today, you have no idea. You have no idea. You have no certainty that you would go to spend eternity in a place the Bible calls heaven. A lot of people I talk to, when I ask them a question like that, do you know for sure if you're to die today, you're going to be the God in heaven? They most, most often they'll answer something like this, I think so, or I hope so. Now, can I just tell you, that's not good enough. It's just not, that's not sufficient. That's not gonna work. Amen. Now I have, um, I have settled into a routine as a, as a dad. And that routine is this. My kids will ask me to do something and I learned a long time ago that my kids believe every word I say. Well, this is good, really good, but it can be bad too. Dad, can we, can we go to McDonald's tonight after church? If I say yes and something happens in which we can't go, I am, the, I am the worst guy imaginable. Dad, you said. Dad, you promised. So here's what I do. I, instead, I'll, I'll go, I think so. Or maybe. And my kids, are they're, now, they're, now they're picking up and they're like, that means yes. That means yes. And I'm looking, it does not mean yes. It means maybe. But listen, listen, that's okay for McDonald's after church tonight. That, that's okay for Dairy Queen or bike rides or, but listen, I think so or I hope so or maybe, that's not gonna cut it when it comes to eternal life. You need to know. You know what amazes me? What amazes me is that there are millions of people who go, listen, who go to churches, churches 
that are supposed to teach and preach God's word. And those very churches, those very churches don't preach and teach God's word the way that it, the way that it appears in the Bible. Because did you know that this Bible tells me in the book of 1 John that it was written, it was written so that people could know for sure that they have eternal life. And yet there are whole denominations, there are whole churches, groups of people, pre, uh, preachers and, and, and pastors and priests and, and you name it, who will stand up and who will tell people, you can never really know for sure. That's not what my Bible says. And so listen, you need, you need to understand that God's ordained purpose includes where you live, not just down here, but up there as well. God's got a plan for your life. God's got a purpose for your life. And it matters. It matters where you live. It matters. Can I say ultimately God has a place for you to live for eternity, and that place is called heaven. And here's what he did. Here's what he did to ensure that you, would go, you could go there, is that he sent his son Jesus to die on an old rugged cross, to suffer in your place for your sin so that you could live in this ordained place that God has prepared. Can I say number two, that God's ordained purpose includes not only the place that you live, where you live, but it also includes his plan for your life. Look in verse number two. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. You know what, you know what God said? God said, Abram, come here. God says, listen, I don't want you to live here anymore. I've got another place for you to live. I want you to follow me. You leave this place behind. Where am I going, God? I, I'm not gonna tell you yet. You just follow me in simple faith and simple obedience and, and we'll get there someday. And so, and so, and so Abram, Abram was, was given that, that call upon his life. And then God says, God says this. God says, I want you to know that I have a plan for your life. I, I, I've got something that I have chosen you specifically to do. And he lays it out for him in verse number two, doesn't he? He tells him in that plan, he says, I, I'm gonna make of you a great nation and I'm gonna bless you, and I'm gonna make your name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. So here's God's ordained plan, his ordained purpose for Abram's life was to make of him a great nation, to bless him, to make his name great, and for him to be a blessing. Now listen, you may not be designed by God for all of these, but I do want you to know God has a plan and a purpose for your life as well. You think about the great characters of the Bible. Do you know that God ordained Moses to lead his people out of bondage and into the promised land? In other words, that was, that was God's created purpose and plan for Moses' life. That's why Moses was born. Moses wasn't born. Moses wasn't born to, to, live in a, to live in a palace. Moses was born to live in the wilderness and to lead God's people out of bondage. That's what Moses was born for. In fact, the Bible says in the book of Exodus in chapter three and verse number 10, come now therefore, and I will send thee, God speaking to Moses, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel out of Egypt. Chapter 32 and verse 34, the Bible says of Exodus, therefore now go, lead the people unto the place of which I have spoken unto thee. Did you know that God not only ordained Moses to lead his people out of bondage, but did you know that God ordained Jeremiah to be a prophet unto the nations? Listen to what God told Jeremiah in Jeremiah 1.5. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. The Bible tells us that God ordained Paul to take the gospel to the Gentiles in Acts 9 and verse number 15. He's a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Did you know that for, for me, God, I believe God has ordained me. God has ordained me to preach his word and to pastor this church and to be the best husband, the best daddy that I can be. And here's what I wanna ask you to, this morning. What has God called you to do? I know what God's called me to do. Do you know what God's called you to do? It's a good question for all of us to answer. 
Someone once said the two most important days of your life is the day you were born and the day you discover why you were born. Have you discovered that yet? Do you know why you're here? Can I tell you, you're not, you're not here. You're not here just to work a job. You're not here just to, to, just to manually labor. That's part of, no doubt, that's part of God's plan and God's purpose. But listen, you exist for a much greater reason than that. If, listen, if all I existed for, if all I existed for was going to a, uh, to a manufacturing place or going to an office somewhere and entering some numbers into a computer and putting some things through a machine, if that was what life was all about, this life is a waste. I mean, if that's all that I exist for, is to try to make a little bit of money so that I can no longer live in the house that I'm living now and live in a bigger house and drive a little bit of a... All of it is worthless. It's empty. You exist for so much more than just that. And may God help us to figure out why it is that we're here. Why, why have I been born? What, what is the purpose of my life? Now, here's, here's what I do know. Here's what I do. There's a lot of things I don't know. I cannot, I cannot come to you today and tell you, here's why you were born. I can't, I can't do that. I do believe that as a pastor, God sometimes gives me maybe a little bit of insight into people's lives, and sometimes that, that helps in counseling and, and that sort of thing, but, but let, me help you, let me help you understand something. Listen, here's, here's what I do know about finding and fulfilling God's call upon your life. It, it's found right here in the life of Abraham. It, it is found right here. Listen, if you will pursue God and his plan for your life, number one, number one, it will bless you. It'll bless you. That's what God said to Abraham. He, he says in verse number two, I will make of thee a greatness and I will bless thee. Can I just be real frank with you? That all of the blessings that exist in my life come as a result, come as a result of pursuing God. No, no question about it. What I do, what I do for, 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 for my career, so to speak, listen, that came because God called me. The person that God allowed me to marry all of that is the, the, the home that I was born into, the children that God has given me, the church that I get to be a part of. Listen, all of that, all of that comes as a blessing from God's hand for those who will passionately pursue him and his plan and his purpose for their life. God said that the plan he had for his life would bless him. I would, I would say that there are moments in all of our lives of great trial and hardship. Can I say God's people always say God's been good and that we are abundantly blessed? No doubt about it. But notice, not only, not only will passionately pursuing God's call upon your life bless you, but number two, you will bless others. He'll bless others. Look what he says at the end of verse number two. I'll make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. You see, you see too many people are living for the first part. I just want, I just want to be blessed. Now, I could care less about anybody else's blessing and whether I'm a blessing. But I just want to be blessed myself. And I just want you to know something. God, God says, you, you cannot and, and follow me. You cannot follow me and have one and not get the other. It doesn't work that way. There's two sides to this thing. If you follow me, it'll bless your life. I want you to also know something. You will bless others as well. That's really what life is all about. Using your life to be a blessing to others, can I say, is the highest and best possible way to live. In fact, Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And so, while I can't tell you, I cannot tell you what God's purpose for your life is, here's what I can tell you. If you'll find it, if you'll discover it, it'll bless you, and in turn, it'll bless others as well. I say thirdly, as we consider God's ordained purpose, and that everyone was born for God-ordained purpose, number three, God's ordained purpose includes his ability to fulfill his promises to you. Look in verse number three. 
And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Can I just say this, that whatever God calls and ordains you to do is not up to you, and not up to your strength to complete and to fulfill. In other, in other words, maybe, maybe God has a, a calling for you that is daunting. It is frightening, it's terrifying. And you think, I can't do this. Can I just tell you that God always accompanies his, his purpose with a, with a promise. And God says, listen, I will not only call you to do this, I've created you for this reason, but listen, I'm gonna equip you to do this as well. I say there's no way, there's no way possible that I could possibly do what God has given me to do without the equipping that comes from God's Holy Spirit. There's no way. There's no way. I come to the beginning of every week and I sit down and I think to myself, Lord, hundreds of people are gonna come again next Sunday and they're gonna wanna hear a message from God's word and I have no idea what to say to them. And I'm just telling you, every message, every message is almost like a miracle. It's almost like a miracle as I, I start and I look at a passage and I don't even know what this is saying I have no idea what this is saying, but you know what the Holy Spirit does? He begins to guide me, and he begins to teach me, and he begins to lead me, and he begins to teach, show me what this Bible has to say. And then, and then we begin to put it down on paper, and it comes together. And then, and then we still need God's enabling and God's divine power and spirit to stand and to preach boldly what the Word of God has said. And I just want you to know something. God never calls someone to do something that he does not equip them with the power to be able to do it. God's ordained purpose Includes his ability. God says, listen, Abram, I'm gonna make of you a great nation. And here's, what, here's how I'm gonna keep you safe in this crazy world that you're living in. I'm gonna bless those that bless you and I'm gonna curse those that curse you. And in you shall all families of the earth be blessed. God says, Abraham, it's not up to you. You just obey me and I'll take care of the rest. And that's what God is still speaking to us today. Notice number two, we must hurry. Number two, God calls and uses men with obedient faith. God calls and uses men with obedient faith. Look at verses four and five. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. Verse five, and Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered and the souls that they had gotten in Haran, and they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan they came. I don't think I spent a lot of time here because I don't really need to. This is really simple to understand. God said to Abram, God says, leave here and follow me. And as far as we know, as far as we know, Abram didn't put up a fuss. Abram didn't argue about it. Abram did exactly what God asked him to do. As we said at the beginning, I don't know why God called Abram, but I have to think that this is probably part of the reason. Because God knew, God knew that when he came to Abram and he communicated his will and his plan to Abram, Abram said, if that's what you want me to do, I'm just gonna do it. And here's the question, does a heart of obedient faith, does that exist in your life? You don't have to figure it all out. You don't have to reason it all together. So, so many times we make excuses of why we can't do what God has called us to do. When God is just simply, listen, God is just simply looking for faithful obedience. As far as Abraham is concerned, we do not know certain things about him. We don't know the, the, the skills that he had that made him a successful businessman. We don't know those things. We don't know whether he was handsome, whether he was tall, whether he was, whether he was fit physically. We don't know those things. We, we don't know if he was a gifted communicator or not, but here's what we do know. We do know that when God called him, he obeyed promptly. That's what we know. You don't know what, we don't know what he looked like, how long his hair was, what color hair he had what color his eyes were, none of that matters. 
Here's, here's, what, here's what matters. Here's what we do know that matters is that when God says, hey, Abram, here's what I want you to do. Abram did it. He didn't argue about it. He didn't put up a fuss. He simply did what God called him to do. And here's the question. What has God called you to do that you've not yet been obedient to? And we can argue about how challenging God's call in our life is until we consider, until we consider what Abram was asked to do. <laughs> Abram was asked to sell his house in Ur, pack up all of his belongings, and move. And can you imagine selling his wife on that? Well, Abram, that's fine. God called you. Okay, God called us to leave here. Where did God tell us to go? Well, sweetheart, God, God didn't tell me that. He only told me that we we're supposed to put the house up for sale. Some of you are sitting here going, I've, I've been there before. We put the house up for sale, not knowing exactly where we were going next. God didn't tell me that. Well, well, well honey, if we're going to leave Ur, we, we better have a, a plan in mind. Well, there's no plan. We're just going to start walking. There were no U-Hauls back in those days, you know. We're just gonna start walking and God's gonna lead us. I don't know how he's gonna do it. And God didn't even tell us how he did it, but he, but he did it. And when they landed in the place, God said, okay, this is the place. And Abram knew. Obedient faith. That's what God's looking for. That's what God uses. Again, again some, of you, some of you, what God is leading you to do is to be saved. And you've not yet repented of your sin and placed your faith and trust in Jesus. That's what God's leading you to do. But can I say for others, God's calling you to, to another step, as we talked about a moment ago. Maybe for some of you, it's to declare your faith publicly through the waters of baptism. Others still, it might be to give more, to serve more, to grow more, to join the church, to start teaching a class, to start working on a bus route, to serve in a nursing home ministry, or to do door knocking, or to put scriptures together. But can I say the difference between success and failure as it relates to God's call is not talent, it is not ability, it is not strength, it is this, it is obedient faith. That's the difference. In other words, you're sitting here saying, well, I, I can't do that because I don't have the talent to do it. God, God, God's not saying what kind of talent do you have. God's saying, well, you simply do what I'm leading you to do. Obedient faith, that's the difference between success and failure. Number three, number three. We'll finish here this morning. God is always, number three, God is always leading into the future. Would you look in verse number seven? Oh, I love this. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. When Abram arrived in this land that God told him, he would, once you get there, you're gonna know it. I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna communicate it to you. God revisited him in that moment. And God said, said to him, this is the land that I've been speaking about. This is the land that I called you out of Ur for. And God's words were that this land was going to be given to him. It's not what God said. Did you see that? God said, Abram, this land isn't yours. Verse number seven, God says, I, I'm going to give this, this land to your seed. Your seed. Now, here's, here's the interesting thing. Abram had no seed. He had no seed. I mean, this sounds good in theory, right? Because who doesn't want to depart this earth knowing, knowing that their, their seed are in a good place and set up for a bright future? I, I talk to, as a pastor, I talk to people dying a lot. And one thing that I hear more often than not is, you know, the thing that scares me the most about dying isn't where I'm going. Our, our people, our people they, they know where they're going through Christ. They know for sure heaven is their home. But they'll say things like this, I don't want to leave my wife. And I don't, leave, I don't want to leave my children behind. That's what's good, to, 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 to not be there for them. And I get it, I understand that. 
God said, God said to Abram, he says, listen, listen, this land is not your land. This land is going to be your children's land. I'm going to give it to your seed. The only problem, however, is what we've already discussed. Abram didn't have any seed. He was childless at this point. And his, and his, and his wife was nearing, if not already, beyond the age of bearing children. In fact, the birth of Abram's only child, the birth of Abram's only child, now get this, is still 25 years to come in the future. Think about that. That's a quarter of a century. God is saying to Abram, God's saying, this land isn't for you. This land is for your seed. And Abram's saying, I have no seed. And God says, that's right. You're going to wait another quarter of a century before you get any. And Abram's saying, God, I'm 75. My wife is 65. And God just said, wait to see what I'm going to do. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be unheard of. I mean, that's what God was doing. While Abram was living his life in the present. Now get a hold of this. Abram was living his life right now. God was years ahead of him, seeing and envisioning things for him that he could not have possibly envisioned for himself. And when you and I consider God's focus and leading into the future, we are overcome by three truths. Let me share them with you. Number one, what I do today matters today. In other words, when I think about the fact that God is always leading into the future, understand this, what I do today matters today. So, so listen, it matters today that you got up and you came to church. It matters today. That makes a difference in your life today. It does. And, and you loving your wife and loving your children matters today. It matters right now. Significantly, it does. No doubt about it. And you going to work tomorrow? and working hard, and putting in an honest day's work, and doing what you've been given to do, that matters today. My life, it does have a present manifestation emphasis. Just because my God is always in the future, and leading into the future, doesn't mean that what happens today doesn't matter. It does. It does. Abram's obedience mattered, and it greatly affected his own life, not just that of his seed, he would be blessed, and he would be a blessing, the Bible says, in the next 100 years of his life, because he'd live to be that old. I don't know how much longer any of us have, but I do know that what I do today matters today. It matters during the days of my life. But can I say number two, what I do today matters in the future as well. What I do today matters in the future, because my God is always leading to the future. What I'm doing right now is affecting, listen, is it affecting 25, 30, 40, 50, 100 years maybe in the future? What I do today matters in the future. You see, one day Abram's seed would enter the land, and when they did, when they did, they would, they would think back hundreds of years, and they'd say there was a day. There was a, a day in which God came to Abram, and God said, follow me, and Abram did. And we're crossing this Jordan River, and we're going to march around Jericho, and we're going to go on to Ai, and we're going to go to Gibeon and Shiloh, and we're going to conquer all of these areas and all of these cities. And every step of the way, every step of the way, we're going to be able to look back at Abram, and we're going to say, thank you. Thank you for being faithful. Thank you for being obedient. I'm thinking to myself that decisions I make today have effects years, years from now. Some of you may, may know this story, and so I won't spend a lot of time on it. But nearly 64 years ago, a young man moved to Cleveland, Ohio. His name was Roy Thompson. He began to knock on doors to try to find a place to start a church. And did you know that one of the doors that he knocked on, behind that door was someone very, very significant to me. 
Now, I'd never meet that man. In fact, that man died when my dad was five years old. I've heard his name over and over again throughout my life. That man, I'm given to understand, willingly moved out of that house so that Roy Thompson's family could move into that house. And on the second Sunday of August, 1958, the Cleveland Baptist Church was born in that living room. Now listen, that, that, that old man who I never met, I've only seen pictures of, that old man could not have known, could not have known that a decision he made, that a decision he made 37 years in the future would affect, greatly affect his grandson, my dad, who would pastor this church for almost 24 years. He certainly could not have known. He could not have known the decision he made some 61 years later would so positively impact and affect his own great-grandson who now stands and serves as the pastor of this church that started a mile and a half, two miles from here in a little living room on a little house on Memphis Avenue in the city of Cleveland. And now look at all that God has done. What I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, what you do today, it matters in the future. And you're sitting here, you're toiling through life, and you're just, you're just barely hanging on, just trying to be faithful, just trying to do enough to get by, and you're saying, does it really matter? Well, ask yourself that in 60 years. You say, well, I won't even be here. That's the point. The point is that your life matters today. Yes, what you're doing matters right now, but what you're doing today matters 60 years from now. You, are, you, are, you have an opportunity to set up your family, your children, grandchildren, people you may never meet for success. And may God help us to understand that our God is always leading into the future. Abraham would never meet Moses. Oh, he'd meet him someday on the other side, but not down here. Abraham would never meet Joshua. Abraham would never meet King David. He'd never meet Solomon. He'd, he'd never meet Jesus, not down here he wouldn't. But because of his faithfulness, because he was willing to do what God called him to do, and because God was always leading into the future, oh, Abraham, what he did that day, it mattered in the future. And that leads me to this final thought, and that is this, what you do today, what I do today matters for eternity. What I do today doesn't just matter for the next 60, 70, 100 years, 300 years. In Abraham's case, thousands of years. What I do today matters for eternity. The decisions and choices that we make in this life, they matter for eternity. I'm thinking specifically, of course, of the decision to be saved. To repent of one's sin and to trust in Jesus Christ for salvation, that matters for eternity. But what about the decision to tell someone else about Jesus? That matters for eternity as well. The Bible says in Jude 22 and 23, and if some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Did you know that you could spend your life, you could spend your life reaching down and grabbing hold of someone with love and compassion and telling them about Jesus and literally pulling them out of the fire? What I do today matters for eternity. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed for just a moment. Oh, when God calls a man, it is significant, isn't it? It makes a difference, a huge difference.